Welcome to New Life with Adam Camp. This podcast is a ministry of Rosemont Baptist Church in LaGrange, Georgia. Please visit us on the web at rosemontchurch.org. Enjoy the podcast. Yeah, it's, uh, one of the things I'm amazed at with, with our missionaries overseas is um, what a big deal it is when teams come. And you mentioned that a few minutes ago. And just the, the influx, the infusion of all the things that Joe talked about. And so your level of prayer here is bigger than you'll ever know, Okay. Uh, your level of uh, commitment to them and even just sending them a note on Facebook or a card, letting them know you're thinking about them. They, they need to know that we're here as their home base supporting them. They've sold everything they own. They live now in Guatemala full-time, doing great work down there. But they need to know they've got a base here of support that loves them, will be praying for them, will continue to support them financially. And so anything you can do along those lines to help them would be greatly appreciated. And one exciting piece of news here on Mother's Day, Megan is expecting, right, child number three. So we're excited for them as well. Let's thank him for all they're doing in Guatemala as well. Fantastic. Yeah, that, they, that dump area is pretty incredible. It's a dump. I mean, it's not like a, a maybe a, a little lower end housing. It's a dump. People take their trash there. The people that live at the dump basically scavenge through, take the things they need to survive and live. There's a church being planted there uh, because of Megan and Joe and Rosemont has certainly been a part of that. So you be in prayer for all that's going to happen there, okay? Philippians chapter 4. We're going to step away this morning from Acts because it's a special day. It's Mother's Day. And I wanted to celebrate moms and, and think about moms and, and challenge moms and kind of just think through some scriptural principles that may help you. I did a little research on moms uh, and Mother's Day specifically. I thought it would be interesting to think a little bit about. Here's some fun facts about Mother's Day you may not know. More phone calls are made on Mother's Day than any other day of the year. I thought that was kind of interesting. We might would have guessed that. But it's been official since 1914. It's celebrated in many other countries of the world. I didn't know that, but a lot of other countries celebrate some special day for moms. It may not be on this date, but at some point during the year, they celebrate mothers. Here's the interesting one. I'm going to let you guess. 2017, right? They've estimated how much money was spent on Mother's Day. Anybody want to guess in 2017? Just in America. $23 billion. That's a B. $23 billion. About $5 billion of that was on jewelry. <laughs> I think 4 to $5 billion was on taking out to a nice dinner or lunch and then various other little things. The two top gifts, 77% of Americans gave their mothers a card. That was gift number one. 69% gave them flowers. Then there are various other things that go along with that. But I just started thinking for today, and dads, I hope you've already taken care of this, by the way. I hope you're not waiting until this afternoon to run to Walmart, okay? I better not see you there buying a card at 2 o'clock this afternoon. But I thought, what do, what do moms need, right? What's the gift for mom? What, what could you give her to make her feel special? And I thought, I think about our family and other families, especially with children still in the home, and maybe the younger the kids are, the more this will resonate with you. But I think if my wife, and I'm speaking a little bit for her, but I think I can speak with some truth here, if she could pick one thing she wanted in life, it'd be some peace and quiet. Just a, just a little bit of peace and quiet, right? We, we, we love our family and our kids, but you get us all in one little area. We drove last night to a, a nephew who'd gotten engaged, and there was an engagement party, and we had a lot of fun seeing family and friends. And, but you put the six of us in a little minivan for an hour and a half, and it's an interesting ride, to say the least. And sometimes we just want peace and quiet. And, and we think about peace, and we think about the peace away from kind of the things of the world. Like there's one sort of peace that's away from the distractions and the noise, and I just want to kind of shut down and get away and kind of leave all that behind. That's one sort of peace that we want, and that is important. We need those kind of moments. But there's, there's a deeper peace that Scripture speaks of. 
That there's an inner peace that regardless of the circumstances, we can still find that peace and we can still find that joy. And I just wanted to think about that this morning. I was reminded of the, the passage in Matthew chapter 8. When Jesus and the disciples are out on the Sea of Galilee and the great storm comes and the boat is swaying and rocking and the waves are shaking and the disciples are fearful for their lives. They think they're going to drown. They think the boat's going to overturn. And they look for Jesus. And you remember what Jesus is doing? Anybody remember? He's sleeping. Just this epitome of peace, right? He didn't worry about the things around him. One of the circumstances around him that drove him, he had an inner peace. And so he gets up and he says to them, you of little faith, why are you so afraid? He got up and he rebuked the winds and the waves. It was completely calm. Then the men were amazed and asked, what kind of man is this? Even the winds and the waves obey him. See, the surroundings to Christ, the, the storm around his life was insignificant to him because he had, inner, he had inner peace. He understood what that meant. And so I want to think this morning, not really about the storms of life because they're going to come. We can't really change those. The conflict, the struggle, and I, I can assure you in a congregation this size, there are people this morning that came with conflict and struggles and not at peace in their lives. And I want to think this morning, not about changing the world around us, but maybe changing ourselves. Understanding what inner peace really is, where we can find it, and how it really applies to the way that we live. And so we're going to do that in Philippians chapter 4. There are several verses we're going to read here. I'm going to read through all of it, and we're going to go back through it and work together on understanding what true peace is. Philippians chapter 4, we have it on the screen, beginning in verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. And by the way, if you're just looking for a memory verse, that's a good one. Just joy. If you just find joy in all things, always in the Lord, you'd be winning in life. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Verse 5. Let your reasonableness be made known to all. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. Verse 7. And here's the word. The peace of God which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Verse 8, finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and here's the word again, and the God of peace will be with you. Now, now this whole section really boils down to the idea of finding peace. Verse 7 talks about the peace of God. Verse 9 talks about the God of peace. And sometimes we have this mistaken understanding that we can find peace in our lives through our own strength or more specifically through our circumstances. The Lord wants us to understand that there's a deeper peace available. It's not from our own power. It's not from the circumstances of life. It comes instead from a true understanding of Christ and a relationship with Him. So I want to give you some truth based on this text this morning to help us understand true peace. We have it on the screen, point number one. We find true peace, first of all, through joy. We find true peace through joy. Now, I'm, I'm going to make this argument, and I'm going to kind of back this up with some scripture over the next little while, that there's kind of this process to get to peace. 
Right? If you don't have peace in your life, we go overseas and, and we witness to people and we share the gospel and people get saved. And I always like having conversations with people that are now Christians that grew up in a home that were not Christians. And I mean like another religion, like a Muslim or Hindu or Buddhist. Because I like to ask these people, listen, what was life like for you religiously in your faith before you came to know Christ? And almost to a person, they say to me, before I accepted Jesus, I never really understood true peace. I never really understood what true peace was until I found Christ. And after I found Christ, I found this peace and eventually this joy and this hope. And so there's this process, I'll argue biblically, that in order to get to peace, it kind of starts with some other things. I want you to notice verse 4 again, if you'll pull that up for me. The way Paul kind of begins this explanation. He begins this idea of thinking about and talking about peace with this verse. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Like, if you can't find joy in life, you're going to have a hard time finding peace. If you find yourself at this place where you say, I just, I just don't find peace, I'm just not at peace with the world, I would say that you need to take a step back and you need to find joy. Well, the question becomes, okay, great, what do I rejoice in? Where do I find my joy? Now, we don't have this on the screen, but I'm going to back up just a few verses in Philippians chapter 3. I want you to listen to the argument Paul makes. I love reading Paul because he's very logical in his thinking. There's a progression here. This is the way this happens. Here's what he says in Philippians 3, verse 20 and 21. He says, our citizenship is in heaven. So, so there's this mindset with Paul that, listen, I'm not living here on this earth uh, forever. I'm here temporarily, but I'm really a citizen of heaven. So I've got more of an eternal, a long-term view of life. Our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who, by the power that enables Him to bring everything under His control, will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like His glorious body. So Paul's making this argument. Listen, we, we need to have an eternal perspective. We need to be looking to heaven. We need to be looking to Christ, believing in Christ. When we do that, he's going to transform us. He's going to change us to be more like him. Now skip ahead a little bit into Philippians chapter 4 verse 1. Therefore, Paul's making the argument, right? Because we have an eternal perspective, because it's in Christ, because he's got the ability to change and transform us, Philippians 4.1. Therefore, my brothers, you whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, that is how you should stand firm in the Lord, dear friends. Right? So here's the, here's the argument Paul's making. Listen, we should have this eternal perspective. It should be based on Christ and His will for our lives. It changes and transforms us and gives us the power and the ability to serve and to love Him. We should stand firm in that. And when we stand firm in our eternal perspective and in Christ and in His love and in His power, it brings us joy, which in turn brings us peace. There's a process here. And so I would say to you, listen, if, if you're kind of on this end of the equation and you can't find peace, let's back it up a couple of steps. How's your relationship with Christ? Are you trusting in the Lord? Are you looking to heaven? Do you believe Christ has the power to work? Is he transforming your life? Because there are all these things that have to happen before you're going to find peace. And if you short circuit any of these things or take any of these things out, you're not going to find true peace. And you guys know as well as I do, the world looks for peace, man. Man, they want it. They want peace, and they want hope, and they want joy. And they look for all sorts of ways to find it. Paul says, listen, here's the answer. If you want peace, it begins with your relationship with Christ. 
We're doing a garden again this summer, and we've plowed it up and planted it, and we've got a few things kind of springing up. And, and, and where I live, a little bit out in the country, there are deer everywhere. And if I don't get a fence up pretty quickly, my garden's going to be gone here in a few days because things are starting to sprout up. And so I work this weekend to put all the posts back up. And I'm doing something a little bit different this year. Over the last several years, I've put up about an eight-foot-tall, kind of that black mesh, you know, that construction kind of stuff. And you put it up and keep the deer out. They can't get over it. It's too tall for them to jump. They can't get through it. But it's kind of ugly. It rips mending it constantly. Usually every year I've got to buy a bunch more of it. And I thought, you know, I want something a little more long-term, something that may look a little bit nicer. So I'm going to try an electric fence this year. I thought with four kids, what could possibly go wrong with an electric fence in the backyard? I mean, there's <laughs> no chance of any disaster taking place. So, so I bought all the stuff, and I'm going to wire it up, and I'm, I'm, I'm starting to learn and read, and I'm not an electrician, but I, I, mean, I kind of understand it, and I understand the connections. So there's this, there's this power box, basically pretty simple, and there are these two things you plug into. There's kind of a hot the red and you plug the fence into the red and then the fence goes all you know however far you want to do it, one continual deal and with most circuits you kind of plug it into the other side it completes the circuit well this electric fence is different you guys that have done this it's kind of a no-brainer to you but the fence just kind of stops it doesn't plug back into the box and the other connection to the little box goes to a big ground wire and what happens is when the animal touches the fence his body connects to the ground so the electricity is flowing through this fence into the animal down to the ground and it goes out into the ground connects to this grounding wire back into the box completes the circuit and they get zapped that's how it works pretty nifty little process I didn't understand this and so I'm reading about it and I'm thinking about it and I realized at some point kind of studying through it and talking to some people yesterday about how it works I realized this grounding wire is crucial like if, if I don't have this grounding wire, this fence will not work. So I could, I could build this beautiful fence and it could, the post could be straight. The box could be properly installed. I could run the wiring perfectly straight and it looks good and it's connected to the fence. I could do all those things properly. I could even plug that box into the, to the electrical outlet out there in my shed. I could do all of those things, but if I don't connect it to the ground, it's not going to work. It literally will not work. And I thought, it's like that with Christ. Now, we can build a really nice life in the worldly standards and things can be straight and look good and from the outside. And we can even think that we're doing it the way we want to, the, the way it's right. And we think it's going to run properly and operate. But if we don't connect all of that, now listen, if we don't connect all that to the grounding of Christ in our lives, it will not work. It's not going to work. And we wonder why it's not working. Like we wonder why we can't find peace because we're not connected to Christ. I'm telling you, you're looking for it in the wrong places. We wonder why we can't find joy because we're not connected to Christ. We wonder why we can't find hope. We're not connected to Christ. There's this process Paul gives us. And if we're not properly grounded in the things of the Lord, we're not going to find the peace we so desperately need. Now Paul continues the argument in verse 6. Let's look at verse 6. Pull 6 up for me. Philippians 4, 6. Paul says, do not be anxious about anything. Good luck with that, right? That's, that's a struggle. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, some Bible verses say petition, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. In other words, let God know. We call this prayer. And verse 7, the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Right, so when we pray, verse 6, and we seek the Lord, a peace 
that passes all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand. This is just an interesting side note. I just wonder how many of us have experienced that peace that surpasses all understanding at some point in our lives. Probably a lot of us. And I see it a lot of times with people that are going through struggles or tragedies or death or disease or some sort of a significant life issue. And they say, you know what? We don't really know how or why, but the Lord has given us peace. It surpasses all understanding. We don't understand where it's coming from. We don't understand how we can find it. I'm like, we're surrounded by this storm and the waves are crashing and the boat's about to sink. And we don't really understand why, but we've got this peace that passes all understanding. It's from Christ. And here's what Paul argues. Here's our second truth. Right? We've already seen to find peace, we need to find joy. Here's the second truth. In order to find peace, we need to also find prayer. Truth number two. We find peace through prayer. Right, Paul makes this kind of a, a, elaborate argument here about praying and trusting. And here, here's the problem with us. Is, is we pull verse 6 back up. Pull verse 6 back up if you would one more time for me, please. Paul says, don't be anxious about anything. Right? That's a difficult thing for us. Like, people worry. Like, I had a grandmother years ago before she died, just a worrier. I, just, I, just, I can remember her just worrying about things. Like, she passed some of that down to some of our family members, and we understand the idea of worrying. Here's the problem with worry. Scripture tells us it's a sin to worry. Did you know that? You know why it's a sin to worry? Because what you're basically saying to the Lord is, I don't trust you to work in this situation. What you're basically saying is, I don't, I don't really believe you can do anything about this, Lord. I know we don't ever say this, and we may not even really think it. But when you worry about a situation, you're basically saying, Lord, I don't believe you can really do anything about this, Lord. So I'm going to worry about it and wring my hands and see what I can do about it. There, there's a great example as we think about trusting the Lord and, and, and finding peace through trust and through prayer. One of the, the best examples that I can think of is Daniel chapter 3. I, I love the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. You probably remember the story. And we think about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego as the fiery furnace, and that's exactly what happened. That's exactly what happened with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. But you may remember King Nebuchadnezzar has built this like 90-foot tall idol, and he's called all of the people of his kingdom to come and bow down before the idol. He says, listen, I'm going to play the horns and the flutes and the music, and when you hear all that, you bow down to the idol, right? So everybody shows up, they, they bow down to the idol, except for Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And so they bring these three guys up before the king. This is King Nebuchadnezzar at that point in history was the most powerful, probably the most powerful man in the world. And King Nebuchadnezzar says, listen, I'm going to give you guys one more chance because you're leaders, I like you, I want to give you another shot here. I'm going to play the flute and the horn and the instruments and when you hear the music, you need to bow down to this idol that I've produced for you. Listen to the response of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, Daniel chapter 3 beginning of verse 16. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to save us from it, and he will rescue us from your hand, O king. But even if he does not, we want you to know, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. They say, you know, we believe that the Lord is going to save us. We believe the Lord is going to do great things in our lives. We're going to trust the Lord. We think he's going to save us. But even if he doesn't, king, we trust him enough we're willing to die for his sake. 
Now, you know the story, right? He scoops them up, throws them in the fiery furnace. So hot, the guys that even throw him in are burned and they die. And Nebuchadnezzar looks in the fire and he sees those three guys and one other, and most scholars would argue it's some form of Christ incarnate in the furnace with him, walking around. He come, they bring the guys out. They survive. They're not even singed. And Nebuchadnezzar at that point bows down to their God. It's, it's a picture of trust and peace and hope in the Lord. So many of us don't understand that. So many of us have never really prayed through that idea of finding peace, of really trusting the Lord, of giving the things of this world up, of giving the storms of life over to Christ because we're so busy trying to figure it out ourselves. You may remember the story of Jesus in Luke chapter 22. He's, he's about to be arrested and he, he goes into the Garden of Gethsemane and he's, he's praying with his disciples. He's walked on a little bit farther. And the Bible says that he withdrew about a stone's throw beyond them in the garden. He knelt down and prayed. And here's the prayer of Christ. Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me, yet not my will be done, but yours. Right? The Lord says, listen, I want to I trust the Father. I don't want to have to go through this crucifixion, all this struggle and the things I'm going to go through. If it's your will, Lord, take this cup from me, yet not my will, but your will be done. See, we trust the Lord through prayer. We trust that He's in control. We believe that He can work. And when we do that, He gives us a peace beyond our understanding. I think the older I get, I said this to the first service, our 830 service, who's filled, that, that service is just filled with uh, seasoned, godly, mature believers. It's just filled, the service is filled with those people. Been believers, some of them, for 50, 60 years. And I said to them, the older I get, and I think some of you can attest to this, and I don't want you to misunderstand me because I've always understood the importance and the power of prayer, but I think the older I get, the more significant prayer becomes to me because I see God works through it and how He works through it and how important it is for our lives. And I've been challenged lately the last few weeks with the people that have come to me and said, you know, in, in a building program, which we're going through right now, in the process we're going through, the enemy's going to attack, and I know he will. We've already seen that. The enemy's going to do everything he can to disrupt and to derail and to cause problems. And we need to build a hedge of protection, a wall of prayer around this ministry. And so I just want to encourage you, first of all, individually to be prayer warriors. You need to be praying for this church. You need to be praying for the ministries of this church, the leaders of this church, for the Lord to continue to do great things in this church. But I challenged our staff this week. We always do a, a, a staff meeting on 1.30 on Tuesday afternoons and we'll spend a couple hours together just talking through, working through certain things. And we just, we cut that really short this week so we could come in here and just pray. That's all we did. So we spent probably an hour in here Tuesday afternoon just praying. And if, if you think about it, 1.30 on Tuesday afternoons, pray for us because that's when we meet every Tuesday. But I just thought, you know, we, we need to be encouraged that through prayer the Lord works. Right, so if, if you're down kind of, again, at this end of the equation and, and you're not finding peace and you can't really understand why, let's back up a couple of steps. Are you presenting your request to the Lord? Are you crying out to God in prayer? Are you petitioning the Lord with thanksgiving? Are you making your request known to the Lord? If you're not, then you shouldn't expect to find peace down here. Paul says there's this, this process you ought to be going through. Spending time praying. Spending time trusting. Spending time finding joy. All these things lead us. And so, you know, this is, this is a sermon for moms, of course. But this is applicable to all of us. But we all need to understand how to find peace and joy and hope in Christ. And so I just challenge you. How much are you praying for your families? 
How much are you praying for your walk in the Lord? How much are you being challenged in your daily walk to seek the Lord and to trust Him through prayer or finding joy or hope in Him? Because Paul says this is a process we walk through to get to peace. It starts with Jesus. Now we need to finish up. Look at verse 8. Philippians chapter 4 beginning verse 8. Finally, brothers, we have it on the screen. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Verse 9, what you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. Here's truth number three. We find peace by thinking about the things of God. We find peace by thinking about the things of God. You want to find peace? You find it through joy. You find it through prayer. You find it by thinking about the things of God. Now, some people would use the word meditation. And when we use the word meditation, sometimes we get this sense of an Eastern religion and mysticism, and it kind of scares us a little bit. But Christian meditation is important. It's simply the idea of thinking about the things of the Lord. Thinking about how the Lord is at work. Thinking about the Scripture and what God's called us to do. Pull up verse 8 again. I want you to notice what Paul specifically says in verse 8. Brothers, if there's something that's true, honorable, just, pure, whatever's lovely, whatever's commendable, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, what's the next word? Think about these things. Now, I can't speak for you because I'm not in your head, but I'm in my head, and I can kind of speak for my own thoughts. I don't always think about things that are honorable. I don't always think about things that are just or pure or lovely or commendable or excellent. You know, you want to start thinking about changing your thought process? Write those things down. Write down true, honorable, just, pure, lovely, commendable, excellence, worthy of praise. Write those things out on a little card. Put them in your car and ask yourself on a regular basis, am I thinking about these things or am I thinking about things that Adam wants to think about? Because I struggle just like you do with thoughts. Sometimes I think about what Adam wants and sometimes those things are not honorable. Sometimes I think about what drives me and sometimes those things are not pure and they're not just. Right? I, I, I talk a lot with my kids and I know you do too as parents about attitudes. Right? And your attitude, how it drives you and it's very important in life and other people are going to notice it, right? And that's a thought process. The things you're thinking on. Paul says we need to think about these things. Meditate on these things. I'm, I'm rereading a book that I read years ago written by Richard Foster called Spiritual Disciplines. If you've never read it, you ought to. It's a classic and it talks about the importance of prayer and Bible study and meditation. But in that book, I want you to listen to what he says. Speaking of the idea of meditation and thinking about these sorts of things, he says, our task is not so much, to, when he's, he's talking about when we meditate, our task is not so much to study the passage as it is to be initiated into the reality of which the passage speaks. We brood or think on the truth that he is now filling us with his peace. The heart, the mind, the spirit are awakened to his inflowing power. We sense all emotions of fear stilled and are overcome by power and love and self-control. See, we, we get this sense in Scripture that if we're going to find true peace, it's going to come by thinking about the things of the Lord. Right? If you're going to move to this place of true inner peace, meditate on, think about, look at, understand things that are honorable and commendable and pure and lovely. Because Paul says, listen, if you'll do those things, pull verse 9 up again. Let's just end it right here. Paul says in verse 9, pull 9 up. 
What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, right? So do the things he just talked about. Joy, prayer, thinking about the things of the Lord. If you'll do those things, what happens? The God of peace will be with you. Paul says, listen, you, you, you really want to experience true inner peace in the midst of the storms of life? Then find joy in Christ. Pour out your heart in prayer to Christ. Think about things that are Christ-like, things that are lovely and honorable and holy. When you do those things, God will lead you to this place of peace. And so moms, I, I pray that today is just an incredible day for you. I pray you get all the things you want. I pray you get a nice lunch or dinner or whatever you want to make you feel special. It's your day. It's a fun, exciting day. But, but beyond, now watch this. Y'all are putting your Bibles up. Give me just another minute. Come on. I, I know what's going on. I promise I know what's going on. Beyond today, here's what I want to say. Beyond today, I, find, I pray you find peace in life, not just in today. Peace in all things. Right? And you're going to do that only by connecting to Christ. So I, 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 my prayer for you is that the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. I, I pray God does amazing things through your ministry as a mom today and forever for his glory. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for moms. We thank you for... The service and the sacrifice, Lord, the, the hard work they put in, oftentimes unseen. Lord, I just thank you for, for their ministry in the home, Father. I thank you for the high calling you've given them. I pray that today would be just a, a fun day, a day of rest and relaxation, and just kind of a day to celebrate and love on our moms. But I, I pray well beyond today, Father, that moms, and really all of us, would be able to find this inner peace that we so desperately desire in a world that seems chaotic and crazy and out of control. Lord, I pray we do that by just understanding this text, Father, finding joy in the things of Christ, an eternal perspective. Father, thinking about the things of the Lord that are holy and honorable. Father, I pray we'd find it through our prayer life as we pour out our hearts to Christ, asking asking you to do great things, Father. I pray that you would lead us through these processes to peace and to joy and to hope. And I pray you'd use us to accomplish great things for the sake of your kingdom. Father, we love you and we serve you in all things. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's stand. Altars open. Opportunity for you to come and pray. Speak to me, but it's your, your chance to respond as we sing together. You come. Thank you for joining today's sermon. We would love to hear how today's message blessed you. Use the Contact Us link on our website at rosemontchurch.org. God bless.